Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. So last week we talked a little bit about We were talking about some of the things that have been created for one purpose, but then used for another purpose. And we talked about different things that that happened with. And some of y'all admitted that you've used some stuff outside of what it was intended and created for. Well, I searched the the vast interweb and I found some different examples of people using something for outside of its created and intended purpose. And uh, I think these are going to help some of you. We're just going to get all kinds of ideas flowing, all kinds of creativity flowing today. Here we go. Here's the first one. Uh, Now, a little Lego man was not created for this. That was not his intended purpose. But yet someone, some genius has found out that his little, his little, his little, I don't even what you call them, little clamp hands fit perfectly for your charging cables. And so there you go. And he looks happy about it too, or he looks frightened. I can't tell which if he's happy or frightened, but there you go. We're just trying to make your life easier. No, it's not its intended purpose, but it's outside of its intended purpose. Here's the next one. Uh, if you don't have a Bluetooth speaker, you say, I can't afford a Bluetooth speaker. I got you covered right there. You just cut a slit in the toilet paper roll, you put the phone in there, you hit play on the music, it really will amplify the music. This really works. Now hear me, that's not what a toilet paper roll was created for, we ain't gonna get into that, all right? Not in this service, no. But it works, it's outside of its intended purpose, but it works. I think some of you might have tried this one, check this one out. It's not what a hanger was created for. But you keep getting all kinds of sauce and kind of food all over your cookbook. There you go. Anybody tried this one? There was a couple in the, in the last service that had tried it. Uh, there you go. I'm just trying to make your life easier, all right? We're just trying to make it better. It's not its intended purpose. Uh, here's one, real simple. If your picture frame doesn't have a little hook on the back, whatever, you take the tab off of a soda can, screw it on the back of the picture frame, Boom, hang it up on the wall. There you go. If you need to put a nail in the wall, grab a shoe, hammer the nail in. That's a little reference to last week. Amen. This one I don't even like that much, but I left it in. Uh, It's a sticky note because when you're screwing a hole in the drywall and the dust from the drywall goes down, you fold a sticky note (laughs) underneath. To me, that seems like a lot of trouble. Just get the vacuum or the broom and be done with it. Uh, But there you go. The sticky note as the dust catcher. Speaking of dust... This is one of my favorite ones here. You got a bucket that you need to fill up with water, but the sink is too shallow, the bucket won't fit. You put the dustpan, finagle it at a certain angle, fill up the bucket, boom. That's what I'm here for, right? I'm just here to help you with life, help you kind of come up. No, it was not its intended purpose, but it was used outside of its intended purpose and uh, this is a good one too. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to a, tried to go to a picnic and all the picnic tables are taken or, um, <laughs> or back, remember when, when, when the pandemic was first shutting everything down, they would put like wrap around all the, you couldn't even go sit at the picnic tables. This guy was fine. He just sat on the, on the back of his car, the spoiler, and that became his, his picnic table. And so there you go, making life better and easier. And that's all I had to cover today. God bless you. Have a great day. No, I'm just kidding. That's not, we'll still go. 
Now, so it's kind of funny, right, to look at this stuff and go, man, that's, that's funny. This stuff's being used outside of what it was intended for. But some of us have been alive long enough to know this. It's not so funny when we get caught in the trap of using our life for things other than what it was created for. When we get caught in the trap of finding ourselves in this whirlpool of like confusion, because that's what it creates. It's not, it doesn't create humor all the time. No, it usually creates a lot of confusion, a lot of questions, a lot of discouragement, a lot of, a lot of like, what is, what is going on? And part of the reason why I don't understand things, why I'm confused, why I feel like I don't have any purpose is because I don't understand what I was created for. And last week we talked about that we were created to glorify, that we would see um, his glory, that we would be close enough to God and pursue God enough to not only just see his glory and to experience his glory, but also to reflect his glory. Uh, and they asked Jesus in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this conversation is referenced in three of the four Gospels. Some religious leaders came to Jesus and asked him basically this. And for our purposes for this series, they basically asked him, what's the point? They said, what's the most important thing? What's the number one thing? And as part of Jesus' answer, he certainly hinted towards this thought of glorify. Here it is in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 through 40. He says, one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? What's the point? Get down to one point. What's the one point? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Some of the other gospels add, with all your strength. Love God with everything. Look to love God in everything you do. Every aspect of life, look to love God. That sounds like the definition of glorify, doesn't it? So Jesus is saying the point is to glorify, but Jesus didn't stop there. They only asked him for one thing. They said, what's well, the most important thing? But because he's Jesus, he's like, I can give you two things because I'm God. I can do that. And so they said, what's the one thing? He said, here's the one thing. He goes, but? He said, but the second one, that's the first one. He says, the second is equally important. And here's the second one. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then look what Jesus said. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based or have their foundation in these two commands. So when they asked Jesus, what's the point of it all? He did go vertical. And he said, the point is your relationship with God, your love for God, your ability to glorify God. He said, that's it. But he said, that's not the only it. He said, it's also horizontal. It's not just glorify, but it's also edify. It's also one another. Can I say that again? One another one another. First Thessalonians 5 talks about one another. Verse 11, therefore encourage, edify, another version says, build up, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Uh, did you see that one another in there? You know, there are actually 59 times in the New Testament where that phrase one another shows up. 
I mean, over and over again, almost 60 times where the Bible is exhorting us on what we would do with somebody or to somebody. It's just over and over again emphasizing that it's not just vertical, but also we are created to edify. We are here to edify. We should be eager to edify. Uh, another one of those one another verses, and we'll spend kind of the majority of our time in this passage of strip, Scripture and, uh, and really dive into what it's saying. But Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10 is also one of these one another verses. And so watch for the one another, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, and we'll spend uh, some time in this passage. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. There is a confession of faith. There is a profession of faith of who I am as a Christian. And the author of Hebrews is saying, hold tight to that profession. Don't lose that profession of faith, that profession of hope, that confession of who you are, who you were created to be. Hold on to that. He says, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another. There it is. We may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. There it is again. All the more as you see the day approaching. Now I pulled out kind of two main concepts that if we are if we are eager to edify, we're going to see these concepts in our life. If we're going to leave them better, we're going to see these concepts in our life, and we're pulling them out of, out of these verses. And the, the first one, if we're le- living eager to edify, then we will influence. We will be people of influence. We will be people of leadership. And hear me, all of us have influence. All of us have leadership calling on our life. All of us have people in our life from almost all of us, it's multiple people in our life that we have influence over. And what the author of Hebrews is saying here is when we wake up, I mean, we should be considering. He said, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us consider. Let that be part of our, our thinking. How could I spur somebody on? How could, I, how could I spur somebody on towards love? How could I spur somebody on towards good deeds? In other words, this, let us consider how I could leave somebody better. Do you realize that's part of why you were created? So that every single person that you come into contact with leaves a little bit better. They're just spurred on. They just got a little bit more, min- more momentum towards love, a little bit more momentum on towards good deeds. And that's what we're called to do. Now, I really like the way the King James Version said it. Uh, in this version, it says, let us spur one another on. The King James Version uses the word, and it says this, let us provoke one another towards love and good deeds. And provoke sounds a little bit more violent. Like, it sounds, because we think about provoke as being bad. We think, people, I was provoked to anger. You know, he provoked me, and I got angry, whatever. That's how we think of the word provoke. It's not necessarily, though, an angry term. Uh, provoke demands something. It demands, uh, and so... In another version, it says, let us provoke one another towards love and good deeds. When they come into contact with me, they got to choose either they're going to do good or they're going to do evil. Then when they come into contact with me, they got to choose we're going to love or we're not going to love. But you're gonna, you're gonna, I'm going to provoke you into thinking about it just from, from time with me. Let us provoke one another. And that word provoke also even includes disagreement. 
So if I'm reading this right, this is heavy, but even the people that I disagree with, I'm supposed to provoke them to love and good deeds. Now I can't do that by being hateful towards them. I can't do that by being ugly towards them. That, that's not what I'm called to do, even if I disagree with them. No, what I'm called to do is to somehow get them towards this concept of love. I'm supposed to influence them to good deeds. That's what I'm here for. And Jesus talked about this. Jesus talked about that, that we as, as Christians, we're called to this kind of thing, that we should love and value each other. That's, that's what we're called to as Christians, that we should want the best for other people. That's what we're called to as Christians, that we should, that even, even the people that hate and persecute us, that we should want what's best for them, that we should be hospitable, that we should live in peace with others, that we should be putting the needs and before, uh, before needs of ourselves uh, below the needs of other people, that we should love what is good and hate what is evil. This is what we're called to as Christians, and God gives us the ability to do that. And Jesus kind of, broke this down and illustrated that calling on our lives to be influenced. He kind of said it this way in Matthew chapter five. He said, you'll be the salt of the earth. You'll preserve the earth. You'll, you'll flavor the earth. You'll, you'll affect the earth. You'll, you'll be the salt of the earth. And then he said, and you'll be the light of the world. Think about that, provoking somebody onto love and good deeds. I'm the, we're, we're called to be the light of the world. And I've heard this probably given more as a philosophical truth than a scientific truth, but there may be some scientific truth in this, but hear me on this. I've heard people say that there's no such thing as darkness, that there is only the absence of light. And so anytime light enters an atmosphere where there was darkness, the darkness is no more. Darkness is not an energy of itself. It's only the absence of something. Darkness is the absence of light. I've heard people say that about cold. They say there's no such thing as cold. And some of you who are from up north, you're like, no, there is a such thing as cold. It's really cold up there. I've been, it is, it's real. I'm, I'm with you. I've been up there too. But in this concept, it's this. There's no such thing as cold. There's only the absence of heat. That cold is not an energy, but heat is an energy and heat just dispels what we consider cold by its presence. There's no such thing as cold. It's only the absence of heat. And I've heard it said this way, philosophically again, right? There's no such thing as hate. There's only the absence of love. And church, I want you to think about it for a second. In this culture that is ever increasingly cold and dark and hateful, what an opportunity we have as the church to step in and say, no, 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 let me bring some warmth to this. To step in and say, no, no, let me bring some heat to this moment. Let me bring some light in the midst of this darkness. To walk into a conversation where there's hate and go, no, let me inject some love into it. What we need in this right now is some love. To walk into a scenario in which someone is being mistreated and go, no, 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 what we need here is love. That's what we should be. Instead of focusing on the, on the presence of hate, hate. We as the church should be focusing on the absence of love. This is our chance and the world is watching. And in a culture that is ever increasingly filled 
with hatred and criticism. I mean, we're talking about purpose. We're talking about what's the point. Do you realize some people think the point of their existence is just to criticize and find fault? I mean, that's why they exist. So they just walk around just looking for, who am I mad at today? Who said something wrong today? Who didn't say it right? Who's, who looked this way? Who looked that? I mean, just this is the, this is the world today. I, I, I mean, I've been alive for a little while. I've never seen anything like it. That people feel this sense of purpose just by pointing out everybody's faults and criticizing. And if we're not careful as the church, that junk will creep up in here. And we start looking at the world and we start criticizing and finding fault and saying this and battling with this and getting in there. Somebody post this. I'm going to teach them a lesson. I'll, I'll fill up. And you know what happens? Without even sometimes realizing it, what that situation needs is some light. What that situation needs is some warmth. What that situation needs is some love. And all we're doing is acting like the world and throwing more cold into it. We're just acting like the world, throwing more darkness into it, acting like the world, throwing more hate into it. You weren't called to hate. No, we're called to love. And that's the power that we have right now as the, even, oh, even if the world tries to label us as the church as a place of hate, which they are trying to do. You know what I, you know what I think about that? I just go, let, it, let them label it until somebody meets one of us. And then they go, well, I know what people say about the church. But yet I know some of the people in that church, and that's just not true. That's what we're called to do. We're called to show who God's, the glory of God. We're called to show that not just vertically, but also horizontally. This is our chance. The world's watching. We need to be audio-visual Christians. I mean, with our words and with our actions, we're just constantly spurring people on, provoking people towards loving God and towards living a life filled with good deeds. That's, that's what we're called to do, audio-visual Christians. And if you're taking some notes, write this down. This is what, a, what we could do as audio-visual Christians. Number one, write down one person in your life that doesn't know Jesus. Consider, right? Consider what you could do to spur somebody on towards loving good deeds, even if it's somebody that disagrees with you. Write someone's name down who doesn't know Jesus. Number two, start praying for them. Every day, start praying for them. They may, they may be able to argue with you. They may be able to get you all twisted up in your arguments, but they are defenseless against your prayers. If you'll start to pray for somebody that does not know Jesus, they have no defense for that. So begin to pray for them. And then number three, just invite them to church. Again, next week would be a great time. Spend the next few days praying for somebody uh, and invite them to one of the nights of Awakening. Invite them to church. And then number four, look for opportunity to share your story or testify of God's goodness in your life. Listen, we all have a story. You may not have the whole Bible memorized. That's fine, but you got a story. You can tell somebody, say, look, I don't know everything, but I know this. God has changed my life. God has made me a new person. God has changed my priorities. God has given me peace in the midst of a world that's filled with chaos. All I know is God's real, and I want you to experience it. We all have that kind of story. And that's the kind of influence we're called to have. And then I would also pull out the term as I look at this passage in Hebrews 10, not just influence, but inspire. Oh, that we're put on this planet to inspire. What a, I mean, what a way to be described by somebody, right? Somebody said, oh man, he, he has really inspired me. She has really inspired me. Like what a, what a compliment that would be. That's the kind of uh, encouragement that we're called to give to people.
It says it in Hebrews 10, again, verse 25. It says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Building one another up. Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now it's tough to read the scripture, especially read the New Testament. It's really tough to read the New Testament honestly and come away with the conclusion that Christianity was meant to be a solitary endeavor. That's really, really tough to do. I mean, I've heard people say it before, and you have too. Well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Look, I mean, I guess on some level, that might be, there might be some truth on some level, but that's not what you were created to do. No, 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 you were created for connection. There, there's, you can't read the scripture and come to any other conclusion. And so this word in, in Hebrews 10 says, Gather together, but if you forsake to gather together, there's going to be a loss of encouragement because gathering together is, is one way that we can encourage one another. That's what's going on. It's like we're, we're wired for that. We're wired for that connection when we, when we gather together. Now, in my front yard, I have this gigantic oak tree. Um, one of those storms way back in the day almost took it out. It was sideways. We got it back up. It, it grew into this massive tree, provides shade all over my whole front yard. Um, I love it because it helps my grass grow stronger because of that shade. Makes the front area of my house a lot cooler because of that shade. Changes that environment. It even changes the environment in my house. It makes my house cooler and it provides relief uh, to the sun even in, in my house and upstairs bedrooms. I love the shade that that tree provides. But if I'm ever going for a walk in my neighborhood and I'm going to walk outside of the covering of that tree, you know what's never come to my mind? I never thought, you know what, let me pluck one of these leaves off of this tree. And when I'm going for my walk in the sun, you know what I'll do? I'll just hold up this leaf right here. And it'll provide all the relief. As I'm walking, it'll just change the environment that I'm in. And it'll just make me cool. It'll provide all kinds of relief. That's what I'll do. I'll grab a leaf. And I've never even thought it. You know why? Because this one leaf ain't going to provide very much shade. The real power happens with this one leaf is when it is connected to all the other leaves taking life from the root called the tree. Oh, then this thing can change an environment. Then this thing can really start to do something. And that's the thing with us. Our potential to change our world is maximized when we get together. That's why we gather. Because we encourage one another. Because we couldn't do it alone. Not, I mean, we can't make the difference that we're called to make. We couldn't do it alone. I just think it's interesting I don't even know if you noticed it, but isn't it interesting that the focus here, when, when the, the author of Hebrews is talking about gathering together, the focus here is not on what believers get in the gathering. He's saying, forsake not the assembling yourselves together, and his focus is not on what you get. It's, it's kind of like this. This happens, had happened to me a few times there for a little stretch but I would be in a Target or something like that. And somebody would come up to me and they would say, hey, do you work here? And it would kind of catch me off guard because I'm like, I, I don't, you know, but I don't know if I have a face that looks like I might work in Target. I'm not sure what it is. And one time I did have the khaki pants and like a red shirt. I was like, yeah, I get it, all right, sorry. <laughs> but it seemed to happen to me a couple times back, a few years back, where it's happened to me. And I would tell people about it and I came up with a plan. I started telling people about my plan. I said, the next time somebody comes up to me and asks me, do you work here? 
I'm just gonna go with it. I'm just gonna be like, how can I help you? What are you, what are you looking for? Uh, just, and then I was gonna come up with the most outlandish story I could so they could come up and say, where's the Oreos at? And we're like, oh, we quit selling Oreos. Turns out they had cocaine in them and we, they shut it down. Only, only us Target employees know this yet. It's coming out soon. Uh, I mean, I was just gonna go for it, you know? And so there I was. I had told people that story. I literally had said that out loud as a joke. And I was at Target or something like that. After that, after that conversation, I don't know how long, maybe it had been a month, maybe it had been a year, but there I was again, and somebody came up to me and said, hey, do you work here? And before I could, before I could think about what I was doing, I just was like, no. And then as they walked away, I was going, oh, wait. I was gonna, I was gonna do my thing, and I missed my chance. And I think the reason why I missed my chance is because when I was in the store, I was, so, I was so there to be a consumer. I mean, that's all I was thinking about was I gotta get, I gotta get, I gotta get. And when someone approached me, when I'm in the attitude, I just gotta get, get, get. And someone approached me and said, hey, can you give? It caught me so off guard that I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not here to give. I'm not here to tell you where something is. I'm not here to contribute. I'm just here to receive. I'm here to consume. The same can happen to us that if we start thinking that I come to church to get, I come to church just to consume, then when somebody gets up and says, hey, why don't you contribute? We go, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know about that. I don't know about all that contribute stuff. I'm just here to consume. Well, hey, I got news for you. You were not created to consume. You were called to contribute. You got something to give to this thing. That's why we gather. Oh, I, can, I don't have to come to church to be a Christian. Well, I mean, you got something to bring into this environment. What about the rest of us that were going to be encouraged by you today? I'm just preaching it like I'm feeling it. I'm sorry. Amen. <laughs> All right, don't, don't encourage me, even though the Bible says you're supposed to, right? <laughs> you're like, we're just doing what you said. Uh, so this letter is written, and we don't know who wrote the letter of Hebrews. Um, some people think it's Paul. If there's some, some proof for that. Uh, some people think it's Luke, maybe. Some people think it might be Barnabas. Um, could be Barnabas. Um, we don't know who wrote the letter of Hebrews, but we do know when it was written and we know who it was written to. And it's very, very important. Here's why. Uh, in the summer of 64, and some of us are going, oh, I remember that summer. It was a good summer. I'm not talking about 1964. I'm going way back. The original 64. In the summer of 64, Rome suffered a, a terrible fire burned for six days and seven nights, burned down three-fourths of the city, destroyed by this fire. And most people in the city believed that the emperor Nero actually set the fire. He was the emperor there of Rome, and they believe he set the fire just for his own amusement, which he was a sadistic leader, and probably that's probably what happened. That's what most people thought. And so as that began to spread, that, that Emperor Nero was actually the one who set the fire, then, the, Nero then came up with a different, uh, a different story. He came up with a different plan as for what happened with that fire. He started to blame the Christians for setting the fire. Uh, and as he blamed the Christians, he, they began to gather every Christian that they could and began to torture them, 
punish them and horrifically kill, kill them in a horrific manner that was just amusement and sport uh, for Nero and his people. There was a uh, historian named Tacitus who was a younger man in Rome at that time, uh, maybe, a, maybe a teenager, and he became a historian and he wrote about that time in Rome um, as an, uh, later on as an adult, and this is what he said about it. He said, therefore, to stop the rumor that, had been, that Rome had been set on fire by Nero, um, Nero then falsely charged and, and, and punished the persons commonly called Christians, who were generally hated for their enormities. In other words, they were growing so fast, the movement was becoming so large that those who weren't a part of it generally started hating it. Nero used that, and he began to blame them for this. And they were arrested, and they would, they would question them and, and find out ways to arrest more people. And after they would arrest these Christians, and this was going on to, to, in, in numbers that we couldn't even imagine, they would arrest these Christians, they would kill them in the most horrific ways, they would uh, crucify them. Uh, many times they would, uh, put, they would put like like skins of, of wild animals on these Christians' bodies and then throw them into a ring with wild dogs and other wild animals. And these wild dogs and wild animals would, would just come in and just rip them, rip their flesh apart and just, uh, you know, kill them in that way with, with every Nero and his people watching. One of the things, they would, they, would, they would burn them at the stake just for being Christians. Uh, this Nero would throw these wild parties at night and you can imagine some of the disgusting things that might happen in a, in a, in a culture that's void of any light and any warmth and any goodness. Uh, you can imagine what would be going on in these parties, but there would be these big outdoor horrible parties that he would throw with all this horrible stuff happening. And as the light for the parties, he would line around the ring of the outside inside of where this party was, he would line it up with Christians at the stake and burn them at the stake. And that would be the light for the party that would be going on down in there. It's, it's, it's hard for us to even imagine living in that kind of culture. And it was in that kind of, it was in that day, in that moment, in that season that we just described that the author of Hebrews writes to the Christians there in Rome and says, but don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. As some are in the habit of doing, I guess I know why they weren't. Because they were afraid, and he's going, no, 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 but I, I want you to stay together and, and keep encouraging one another. And you go, why would, he, why would he do that in that culture? Why would he encourage them to be together? Because they weren't going to make it if they didn't have each other. That's why. And you can read the next couple verses that come in Hebrews. I don't have time to go there. But it talks about what happens when we're not encouraged by one another. That we begin to fall away from God. And he says, no, you can't fall away. Even though it's tough out there, you can't fall away from God. And you will if you're not together there to encourage one another. So even in the midst of that crazy, boy, context will change the way you read the word, right? And the word that's used there, in the, in the Greek, the word used for gather, like forsake not the assembling of yourselves, the gathering of yourselves. The word in the Greek, I can't even say it, it's a hard word to say, but it's only used twice in the New Testament. Once here in Hebrews chapter 10, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That's the one time used. The only other time that same Greek word is used in the New Testament is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, 
when it is talking about us gathering in the heavens to meet Jesus as he comes back for us. So you know what we're doing here? We're just having a rapture practice. We're just getting the habit of heaven. We're going to be together up in here so that we'll be together when he comes back for us. Mm. I'll do that. I'm down for that. So Friday, just a couple days ago, me and my wife were in Statesboro, Georgia. And uh, we were up there. My son, youngest son, had a couple baseball games. So we were up there watching and got time for dinner time. And uh, there wasn't a lot of options there in Statesboro. And we were talking about where we were going to go grab some eat right after the game. And it was just her and I. And uh, I suggested uh, my, my current kind of favorite restaurant again. I'm not trying to like give it some sort of plug or some sort of advertisement. I'm not trying to get you to go there after church today or anything like that. But I'm just saying, right now, I'm, I'm kind of on a Chili's kick. I just like the three for ten. I'm not going to say any more about it. Just three for ten. Get your, get your soda and your appetizer and your meal all for ten. I'm not going to say any more about it. All right. I like it. It's what I, okay, it's my favorite. It's kind of like my favorite restaurant right now. All right, it's just good. But my wife, she doesn't like it. I started to say she hates it, but that would be a, an atmosphere void of love. And we're not going to say it. She unloves it, all right? She just, she doesn't like it right now at all. I mean, just, it, I don't know if she doesn't like it because I like it so much. There could be something going on there. I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't know. But I will admit this that every time she comes, it goes awry. Every time she comes, either the service is really, really bad or it takes a really, really long time or the food, her, her order's not good. Like, and I'll look at it, it's for real. She'll be like, look at this, I'm like, I know, it's true. You have done it again. You have professed this, you have confessed this into reality once again, look at that. Yes, that looks horrible, but look at mine, it looks great. Because I came in here with a good attitude. I don't know if that's exactly what I said, but anyway. <laughs> So anyway, we're trying to decide where to go. Friday in Statesboro, Georgia, not a lot of options. And she goes, hey, uh, we can go to Chili's if you want to. And I said, really? And she goes, I'll give it one last chance. <laughs> so I began to pray right there, just in the car driving. I said, Lord, now you know, you know her heart. And I just pray, God, just give us a great experience at Chili's tonight. This could really make or break my next few meals. Amen. So we get to Chili's, pull in the parking lot. It's not that crowd. I'm like, okay, so far, so good. That's good. And we're walking up to the door, and there, taped on the door, an eight and a half by 11 sheet of copy paper, and it said, please bear with us. I was like, oh, Lord, here we go. <laughs> it said, please bear with us. Um, we are short-staffed tonight. Please have patience with us, with the few workers that did show up. And I'm like, this is not how I hoped it was going to go down. <laughs> so I said, well, let's, we, we walk in. And we stand there for a few seconds, and we see a couple people helping somebody over here and somebody running back over here. And no one's really paying any attention to us as we stand there at the entrance. And that's fine. We'd only been in here for a couple minutes, and I'm like, oh, man, this is not looking good. And so then she goes, well, I have to go to the bathroom. I said, okay. So she goes to the bathroom, and then she comes back like in three or four minutes or something. And when she came back, she said, has anybody talked to you yet? And I wanted to lie. I wanted to be like, yes, they're getting our table ready. It's just right over here. It's all set. I, but I couldn't because no one had even looked our direction yet. And so I said, no, man, it's still nothing. We're just, we're just invisible here. And she goes, we just need to go somewhere else. And I was like, well, I said, I got to go to the bathroom. I was just trying to stall a little bit, you know. I got to go to the bathroom too. So then I go to the bathroom and then she stands out there. And when I come back from the bathroom after two, three, three or four minutes now, I come back, I said, still nothing? She goes, no, it's still nothing. And then about that time, somebody was walking towards us. I was like, well, here's our chance. And they were walking towards us just to go, we'll be with you in a second. And then they just kept on walking. So I was like, oh, man. 
And so then, surprisingly, I was like, well, we can go somewhere else. And she goes, no, we can stay. And then I said, absolutely not. I was like, we're not going to stay. No, we ain't staying. I said, you gave, you, we, if you're going to give Chili's, I'm thinking this in my head, if she's going to give Chili's one more chance, it's not going to be the Statesboro location on that Friday night at 5 o'clock. I can tell you that. We're gonna, I'm going I'm to call ahead at some Chili's that's going to get us a table reserved with the best waiter they have with her food already prepared perfectly. That's going to be her one last chance at Chili's. It's not going to be here. So I said, no, we ain't staying. Let's go. And we went somewhere else. Now, here's my question for all of us who are taking part in this service right now. If somebody was out here, if somebody was walking the halls of, of, of this church or walking the halls of your office or somebody was just out there doing life and they said this statement and people say this statement, if they said, I'm going to give Christianity one more chance, I'm going to give the church one more chance, here's my question. If somebody's in that state of mind that they're going to give God one more chance, do we want them to meet you? Do we want them to encounter you? Are you out here volunteering? Say, yes, I'll be the one. Because I know this, Faith Assembly, we are the one. If somebody's out there saying, I'm going to give a church one more chance, then we're going to say, okay, come up into one of our campuses. Because we're going to encourage you. We're going to build you up. We're going to strengthen you. We're going to spur you on towards love and good deeds because that's what we were created to do. And you as an individual, same calling on your life. That if somebody's at the end of their rope saying, I don't even know if I, I'm starting to believe what everybody says about the church. I want them to meet you and go, well, I know what everybody says about the church, yet I know her. And all I've ever felt when I'm around her is encouraged and built up and loved. I mean, I know what they say, but every time I've been around him, I just leave, I'm just, I just leave better for some reason. That's what we're called to do. Not just glorify vertically, but we're also called to edify horizontally. Let's give God praise. Amen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.